How we doing Central? Just want to welcome all of you. Thank you so much for tuning in and connecting with us. Hey, we want to know that you're watching. Give us a hi, give us a hello, give us a what's up, an amen or something in the chat right now. We want to connect with you. We're, we're so excited that you have taken the time to watch and connect with us today. As a matter of fact, some of you sent in selfies this week and you're joining me in-house right now. Check this out. This is so cool. You guys are sitting here in the chairs, and you're just staring at me with smiles, and it's kind of freaky. But welcome. Thank you for sending those in. Those are awesome. Genesis chapter 37 is where we're going today, and uh, I'm going to start out like this. I love you guys. I do. I love my church. Love you, love you, love you, love you. This week, um, I saw this post on social media. Some, some pastor friends of mine had on Facebook, um, they, they had put this, this picture up. They said, how well do you know your pastor? What are his favorite things to say while preaching? And, and I was reading through some of the things that my pastor friend's people um, said to them and said about them some of the cool things that they said while they were preaching. And, and I was reading through those. Let me share some of these with you. These are, these are things that, that, that other pastors um, congregations say about them that they say all the time that inspire them and it, it just it was cool let the world know what you live for not what you fall for that's that's cool right that's that's really neat let God's promises shine on your problems always remember church to be holy faith up church faith up put on righteousness not ugliness you have divine purpose so use it God never said that the journey would be easy. If God is your partner, make your plans big. God is most glorified in us when we are most satisfied in him. That's from one of my Baptist pastor friends. Some of these, they're so good. I could make a huge list because some of them, they're just so good and they're so inspiring. And I'm like, that's awesome. I should put that on social media. I should put that on Facebook and I should see how I inspire my people at Central. And you responded in force. And I love you guys. These are what you said, all right? These are, how well do you know your pastor? What are Pastor Ryan's favorite things while preaching? Are you ready? I'm going to punch you in the throat, cap you in the head. Where's my glasses? Can someone go to my office and get my glasses while clapping? Listen, 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 Linda. I can say this. It's not recorded like in the second service. Sup, Central. Kids ministry is not my calling. I don't even like kids. Once, I literally got bit in the butt by a kid. That's true. I did. I'm smoking what I'm selling. Some of you will get that on the way home. Bordineros! And the number one response, don't miss this. Don't miss this. Don't miss this. Don't miss this. I love my church. I love my church. I love you guys. Thank you for, for submitting those. Thank you for turning those in. It's just awesome. I love serving Jesus with you. We have a great God. We have a great God who does great things. And, and, and that's what we're going to talk about today because God is, is, is so great. In, in fact, I want to talk about how great God is in the midst of what's going on in our lives today. L listen, if you get to know him, you can't help but love him. He's indescribable. He's irresistible. And, and the more we know him, the more we love him. And the more we know him and the more we love him, the more we can trust him, even when times are difficult. 
So literally, here, here's what I want you to know about God, and this is true for every one of our lives. I'm going to share with you a statement. It's the big idea. It's the sermon in a sentence. We're going to keep coming back to this over and over and over and over again. And listen, this is true for you. doesn't matter. doesn't matter if you were born in a bar or you were born in a church. doesn't matter. Born in a bar or born in a church or anyone in between. No matter who you are, no matter where you've been, no matter what you've done, what's been done to you, or when it happened, no matter what your current conditions are, this statement is true for you. This is where we're going. This is where we're going, the entire message. Here's the truth about you. Here's the truth about me. This is the truth about God in our lives. God loves me, is always with me, and has greater plans for me. If you don't get anything else I say today, I need you to get that, that God loves me, is always with me, and has greater plans for me. God loves you. God is always with you. And God has greater plans for you. Now, now some of us believe that. Like, like some of you look at that, and we look at that, and we just go like, yes, and amen, and hallelujah. Like, like, like that's, that's where we feel when we see that. But for some of us, if we're incredibly honest, many of us have a hard time believing that. And here's why. It's either because of what we've been through in our life or what we're going through right now. Because see, one of the problems that we have in America is we allow circumstances to shape our belief in God rather than letting our belief in God shape the circumstances of what we're going through. And so I want to tell you, no matter what you've gone through, no matter what you're going through right now, God loves you. And God is always with you. And God has incredible plans for you. Now we're going to talk about this through the story of a guy in the Old Testament named Joseph. If you grew up in a church background, you know Joseph is the guy who had a coat of many colors. Now, before I get into Joseph's story, here's what you need to know about Joseph. I'm going to tell you the end of the story before I tell you the beginning. Joseph's story is found in Genesis chapter 37 all the way through Genesis 50. You can read through that on your own if you want. But for day, today, here's what you need to know about Joseph. By the end of the story, he's second in command of the entire nation of Egypt, which happened to be the most powerful and richest nation in the world at the time. He was second in command. And some scholars believe that he was the second wealthiest man in the entire world. And so because of what he did, because of his ideas, because of his innovation, because of his creativity, he saved not just one, but two nations from starvation and bankruptcy. And God ultimately used Joseph to save the entire nation of Israel. And that's huge. Joseph accomplished far more in his life than he could have ever imagined. But the path that he had to go down to get there might not have been the path he would have chosen had he got to choose it for himself. I'm going to pick up this story, Genesis chapter 37. We're going to read a lot in Genesis. The Bible starts out in verse 3. It says, now Israel, and Israel was Joseph's dad. Another name for him is Jacob. But God changed Jacob's name to Israel, which is another reminder of when we meet God, we can't stay the same. God changes names. God changes hearts. God just changes everything. And you might say, well, I've never changed. Well, you've probably never met Jesus because Jesus changes things. He does. He just changes things, and he always changes them for the better. That's how awesome he is. Look at this. Now, Israel loved Joseph more than any of his other sons, and he had 12 sons total. So Joseph had 11 brothers. The Bible says Joseph was his favorite because he had been born to him in his old age and he made an ornate robe for him. A coat of many colors is what most translations say. Verse 4, when his brothers saw that their father loved him more than any of them, they hated him 
and could not speak a kind word to him. So, so you got sibling rivalry going on right here. The brothers, all 11 of his brothers, hated Joseph. And then the Bible says this. We're about to see Joseph had a lot of problems, a lot more problems than just his brothers hating him. Verse 5, Joseph had a dream. Now, let me stop and say this. Something you've got to understand about ancient culture. They didn't have the Bible. Like, Joseph didn't have a Bible. In fact, the first five books of the Bible, at this point, hadn't even been written yet. So they believed that one of the ways that God communicated with them was through dreams. And God did communicate with them through dreams. And right here, he was communicating to Joseph through a dream. I'll go out on a limb and say this. Really, it's, it's not a limb. It's just true. I believe God still communicates to people through dreams. I believe he does. I do. I believe he does. Now listen, don't email me and say, hey, pastor, I had a dream the other night. I was naked in my kitchen eating a bowl of fruity pebbles and a leprechaun was talking to me. What does that mean? It means you're an alcoholic. <laughs> you probably ought to stop that. Like, I, I, don't, I don't know. I just, I, I don't know. I'm not saying that God communicates through every dream, okay? And the dreams have to match up with Scripture, and they've got to match up with the Holy Spirit. But right here, we see God start communicating to Joseph through a dream. But there were a couple of problems. Number one, Joseph misinterpreted the dream. And number two, Joseph started bragging about his dream to his brothers who already hated him. This is what the Bible says, verse five. Joseph had a dream, and when he told it to his brothers, they hated him all the more. He said to them, this is why they hated him. You'd hate him too. He said to them, listen to this dream I had. We were binding sheaves of grain out in the field when suddenly my sheaf rose and stood upright while your sheaves gathered around mine and bowed down to it. Now, that's a great dream if you're Joseph. He basically told his brothers, hey, I had a dream that all you fools are going to bow down and worship me because I'm awesome. It gets better. Watch this, verse 8. His brothers said to him, do you actually intend to reign over us? By the way, he did. He did. Will you actually rule us? The correct answer to that question technically is yes. And, while, and, and they hated him all the more because of his dream and what he had said. This is not good for Joe. It's not. And, and then it gets worse. It gets worse. So not only is, is Joseph telling his brothers, hey, look at me. Look at my coat of many colors. And he's dancing around and he's showing off his coat. And he's, he, he's, 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 he's enamored in the fact that, that his dad loves him more than all of the other brothers. And I'm his favorite and all this. And he's probably rubbing it in. And he's telling them, you're going to bow down to me and all this. Then he has another dream, another dream. He has another dream, and he told it to his brothers. I mean, at this point, at this point, knowing your brothers hate you, couldn't you, like, find a friend to go tell it to? Like, dude, get a girlfriend or something. Tell her about your dream. I don't know. Like, don't tell your brothers who hate you. Listen, he said, I had another dream. And this time, the sun, this is referring to his dad. The moon, referring to his mom. And the 11 stars, referring to his other brothers, were bowing down to me. Like, dude, come on. Like, stop. Stop telling people that they're going to bow down to you. Verse 10, when he told his father as well. See, he couldn't just tell his brothers. He's like, hey, Dad, I had a dream. Guess what, dude? You bowed down to me. Can I have the car keys? Like, that, like that's, that's what's happening right there. When he told his father as well as his brothers, his father rebuked him and said, what is this dream you had? Will your mother and I and your brothers actually come and bow down to the ground before you? The correct answer is yes. Yes. 
Verse 11 says, his brothers were jealous of him, but his father kept the matter in mind. So Joseph, Joseph had a dream. Joseph wanted to accomplish big things. And there's nothing wrong with having big dreams, and there's nothing wrong with wanting to accomplish big things. But today I want you to understand that there were three barriers that made Joseph question whether God loved him, was always with him, and had greater plans for him. And these are some of the same barriers that you and I face in regards to God loves us, God is always with us, and God has greater plans for us. And, 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 and God, how are you going to get me from where I am to where you want me to be? The first one, number one, is the pit barrier. The pit. You ever have a day where the bottom just fell out? I mean, like all hell just broke loose? You know the thing about that? Nobody ever plans that. I've never talked to anybody. Hey, man, want to go to lunch tomorrow? And, and they went, oh, yeah, what time? Noon. Ah, can't do noon, man. Got a car wreck at noon, man. Uh, it's going to be bad. I, I could maybe squeeze you in at 1130 for some coffee, but at 12, I got this wreck. I can't miss that. Nobody's ever done that. Nobody's ever done that because tragedy doesn't make an appointment. And sometimes we wind up in a pit. And, and don't miss this. Sometimes we wind up in a pit in life because of things that happen to us. And sometimes we wind up in a pit because of the choices that we make. Not every pit is somebody else's fault. Most of the pits that we fall into, we actually dug the hole in the first place. See, we like to blame it on other things, but a pit many times is caused by ourselves. And, and listen, we don't plan all of it. Some pits are circumstances. Some pits are choices. Circumstances and choices. Those are the two reasons. And many people watching right now, you plan on greater things than you're experiencing right now. For example, you planned on a great marriage. You didn't plan on the divorce. You planned on having a baby. You didn't plan on the miscarriage. You planned on being pure your whole life. You didn't plan on somebody taking advantage of you sexually. You planned on the promotion. You didn't plan on the layoff. You planned on a long life. You didn't plan on the health report where the doctor came in and said, you don't have very long to live. Heck, you planned on, on softball and baseball and soccer and track and golf and graduation. You didn't plan on a quarantine. And, and the thing I know, the thing that's crazy, is we all experience pits. Joseph experienced the pit. See, he had talked to his dad. And his dad said, I need you to go check on, his brother, on your brothers because he wasn't with his brothers. He wasn't able to be with his brothers because his brothers hated him. And so the dad had to keep them separated because Joseph is always showing off his coat. He's always talking about his dreams. And so they couldn't hang out. And so his dad comes to him and says, hey, I need you to go out. I need you to find his brothers. And so Joseph goes out to find his brothers. He goes to one place, and they're not there. He goes to another place, and his brothers aren't there. He goes to an, another place, and his brothers see him coming. And in verse 19, look at this. This is what the brothers say to each other. Here comes that dreamer. Here comes that dreamer. And then they had an idea. Look at this. Let's kill him. You think you got family problems? <laughs> let's kill him. And then let's see what becomes of his dream. I want to stop right here, and I want to say nobody. Listen to me. Nobody, nobody can stop the dream that God put inside of you. Nobody. They tried to kill him. They tried to stop him. But he eventually wound up where God wanted him to be. The Bible says in Isaiah 54, 17, that no weapon 
No weapon formed against you shall prosper. No weapon formed against you shall prosper. If God has called you into it, God will see you to it, even though sometimes it feels like the world is crashing around us. They said, let's kill him. Let's kill him. And then there's this one brother, his name's Reuben. I don't have time to go into this. It's in verses 21 through 22, but it's huge. Reuben says, you know what, guys, let's not kill him because dad's going to be mad. Let's not kill him. Let's just throw him into the pit. And so they get him, and, 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 and don't miss this, verse 23, they get him, they strip him of his robe, strip him of his robe, strip him of his robe. That is so important. We'll come back to this at the end. They stripped him of his robe, one of his most prized possessions. He lost, oh man, don't, don't miss this. He lost what his father had given him, and he thought, I'll never get it back, because they stripped him of it. That's huge. Now, in the pit, throw them in the pit, and in the pit, we tend to experience two different types of emotions. If you want to write these down, if you're taking notes, letter A is loneliness. Loneliness. You, you think Joseph was lonely in the pit? Go ahead, and, go ahead and type your answer. We'll wait. Think Joseph was lonely in the pit? Yes! Yes, of course he was! You know why? Because he was alone. All of his brothers, if you read the story, his brothers are up at the top and they're eating. And, and Joseph is down in the pit. He's all by himself and he's dealing with loneliness. You know what I know about pits? From personal experience, pits are incredibly lonely. Because think about this. Joseph probably felt nobody gets it. Nobody understands what I'm going through. I'm here, I'm all by myself, and this is where I'm going to be. He probably thought, this is where I'm going to be for the rest of my life. Listen, if you're feeling lonely and isolated, the, the good, listen, 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 listen. The good news for us is we've got something that Joseph did not have. We've got the church. We've got a place where we can go and we can look each other in the eye and say, you don't have to go through life alone. You don't. You don't have to go through life alone. And so if you're going through a pit today, I want you to know that here at Central Church, everybody understands the pit that you're in. In fact, there are people watching with you right now, including the guy preaching, who have probably been in the same pit that you're in right now. You don't have to do life alone. All you have to do is ask for help. We have a bunch of people in this church that will not stand at the top of the pit and scream down at you condemning words. We've got people that will actually get down in the pit with you because we're called to do life with one another and that means if we're on the mountaintop we're on the mountaintop together baby and if we're in the pit that means we're in the pit together because that's what the church is supposed to be Woo! I'm preaching good right now somebody type amen oh I don't know why I said that but the pit is lonely right the pit is lonely well, let me say something before I move on this is important you got to get this some people fall in love with their pit. Some of you have gone on Pinterest to try to figure out ways to decorate your pit. Because you think, as long as I'm in the pit, I don't have to make progress. I don't have to take my next step. As long as you're in the pit, you can blame your circumstances. As long as you stay in the pit, you can blame people. As long as you stay in the pit, you can be a victim. And listen, 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 don't miss this. I want you to hear me. I'm saying this in love, and I'm saying this from somebody who's been in a lot of pits. Victims never walk in victory. They don't. Victims never walk in victory. If you're in Christ and, and you want to stay in the pit, you can choose to stay in the pit, but you'll never walk in the victory that Jesus promises us as we walk out of the pit. It's your choice. 
It's your choice. It really is. Letter B is doubt. Doubt. We doubt in the pit. Let me ask you this question. Do you think Joseph doubted the love of God in the pit? Think he doubted the love of God in the pit? Of course he did. You think he doubted his dream in the pit? Yeah, of course he did. Joseph's in the pit, and he's thinking, how in the world am I ever going to be a leader of the people who just whipped the crap out of me and threw me down in the pit? He probably had some serious doubts about the dream that God had placed inside of him. And here's the thing I know about pits from Scripture and from personal experience. When we get in a pit, we tend to doubt God. We doubt God's love. We doubt God's promises. We doubt God. And so that's why when I say God loves you, is always with you, has greater plans for you, some people say, I doubt it. And you know why you doubt? You're probably in a pit right now. You're probably in a pit. And the mistake that we make, don't miss this, the mistake that we make in the pit is we say things like, God owes me an explanation. God owes me an explanation. God is going to tell me the reason why I'm going through this right now. Make no mistake about it. God owes nobody an explanation. We couldn't understand it anyway, even if he gave us one. Like, seriously. And so in the pit, we shouldn't ask for explanation. We should ask for revelation. We don't need explanation. We need revelation. Instead of saying, God, you owe me an explanation, we should say, God, while I'm here, I need to know who you are. God, I'm in this. God, show me who you are. Because you know what I've discovered about the pit? We, when we can see God a whole lot more clearly in the pit because he has our attention. And so we should ask him for revelation on what got us there in the first place so we don't wind up in the pit again. Are you following what I'm saying? Like, like we should ask God, hey, what happened? What got me to this place so I don't get back here again? And then don't you ever doubt in the dark what God declared to you in the light. That's not mine. I stole that from somebody. I don't know who said that. It's really good, though. It's probably on one of those pastor saying things really good right if he said it in his word it's true even in the pit don't doubt in the dark what God declared to you in the light and by the way think about this before we move on if you're going to be a leader I mean a political leader second command of all of Egypt what two emotions do you think that political leaders probably have to deal with on a fairly consistent basis loneliness and doubt right loneliness and doubt So maybe God wasn't punishing him. Maybe God was using the pit to prepare him. I feel like we've talked about that the past few weeks. Maybe God wasn't trying to punish him. Maybe God was preparing him, which leads to point number two, problems. The problems barrier. Now, we've all got problems. I got problems. You got problems. You might be watching with your problems right now. Don't don't type amen. Don't, 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 Don't do that. We all have problems. Joseph had problems because don't miss this. Joseph got pulled out of the pit in verse 28. And you'd think, man, that's awesome. They pulled him out of the pit. His brothers were just messing with him. They were just you know, playing a prank on him or whatever. But his brothers, like, once again, you think that your family is jacked up? Joseph, his brothers were like, let's not kill him. Let's not kill him. Let's sell him. Right? So they stuck him on eBay. And some Ishmaelite tra- traders came down, and, and they saw Joseph, and they bought him for like 20 pieces of silver. And they take him down to Egypt, and they sell him again. And they sold him to a guy named Potiphar. I want you to see this. This is Genesis chapter 39, verse 1. This is huge. I'm going to ask you to remember something because this is enormous. The Bible says, Now Joseph, who had been taken down to Egypt, uh, or now Joseph had been taken down to Egypt, Potiphar, an Egyptian, 
who was one of Pharaoh's officials, the captain of the guard. I want you to remember that. That's huge. Captain of the guard. Captain of the guard. Bought him from the Ishmaelites who had taken him there. Verse 2. The Lord was with Joseph. Don't miss that. The Lord was with Joseph. You know why? Because God loved him. God was always with him. And God had greater plans for him. Just like God loves you. He's always with you. And he has greater plans for you. The Lord was with Joseph so that he prospered and he lived in the house of his Egyptian master. Now, I want to say this. <laughs> you think you got a bad job? Mob job's bad. How would you love to have been a slave? That, that, was, that was Joseph's job. Nobody watching wants that job. On career day at college, nobody goes to the slave booth. Nobody says, what do you want to be when you grow up? Slave! N nobody does that. But you know what I believe a sold-out follower of Jesus Christ will do? A sold-out follower of Jesus Christ will say, this is my situation in life, and I'm going to make the best of it. Can't do anything about the situation I'm in, but you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to make the very best of it. E even Jesus, think about this, even Jesus modeled this on the cross. He said, I'm going to make the very best of this. And three days later, he got up out of the grave, walked out of the tomb, and one day he's coming back. That's awesome. A sold-out follower of Jesus Christ will make the best out of every situation that they're in. Think about that when you get to your job next week. Think about that, all right? A sold-out follower of Jesus Christ will make the best of every situation that they're in. The Bible goes on to say this, that, that like, like Joseph, and Joseph was knocking it out of the park. Like if they had like a Slave of the Year award, they probably didn't have that, but if they had like Employee of the Week award or whatever, Joseph was, was probably getting that. Like he was, he was just doing awesome, but there was a problem. Because Potiphar, let, let me back up. The Bible says in, in verse 6 that Joseph was well-built and handsome. Well-built and handsome. And the Bible says that Potiphar's wife took notice of him. And Mrs. Potiphar, she wanted her some Joseph. And so she approaches Joseph, and she says in verse 7, come to bed with me. Now, I've heard people say that Joseph probably wasn't even tempted sexually by this woman, and so he was able to resist her because he wasn't tempted. That, that's crazy. Dude, Joseph was between 18 and 22 years old at this time. Any man watching right now want to be honest and talk about the hormones of an 18 to 22-year-old male? You know what they're like all the time. Some of you are like, 18 to 22? Man, I know 73-year-olds that are like, I, I don't know. Maybe you know them. I don't, I don't know them. But, but I, I, think, I think Joseph was like, I, I love God, but uh, I love God, but like, like, he, was, he was tempted. In fact, when she approaches him, he eventually says this, and you see this later on in verse 9. He says, if I did this with you, it would be a sin against God. And, and, and don't miss this because this is huge. It's huge, 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 huge. Joseph refused to give up what he wanted the most for what he could have in the moment. Joseph refused to give up what he wanted the most, his dream, the things that God had revealed to him. He refused to give up what he wanted the most for what he could have in the moment. And the reason a lot of Christians never make it to where God wants us is because we settle for in the moment and we give it up rather than pursuing what God wants most. See, see, Joseph had a problem in the form of temptation that came in the form of Mrs. Potiphar. Now, I've said this for years, and, and I'll say it again. Christians, Christ, Christians, Christians, Jesus followers, man, we settle sometimes. We settle a lot of times. God loves you. God is always with you. 
And God has greater plans for you. But many times, we don't want those plans. We want what's available to us right now. Listen, this is another message for another time, but I'll give you the two areas. The two areas that Christians compromise in most often. Sex and money. Sex and money. Another message for another time, but those are the two areas that Christians compromise in the most. Sex and money. I'm just going to leave that right there for you to think about, and we'll move on. Uh, real quick, before we move on, um, before we get to the last one, I, I told you to remember the phrase, captain of the guard. Now, think about this. If you're going to be second in command of the entire nation, I mean, he was over agriculture, he was over the economy, what's one of the things you're going to have to know how to do? Command a military. So God put him, don't miss this, God put him in the house, the captain of the guard, the ruler of the military. And for years, he would hear the conversations about military tactics. And for years, he would meet with the generals. And for years, he would meet with the lieutenants. And for years, he would meet with the captains. God placed him in an environment where he could learn what God ultimately had for him in his destiny. See, maybe God wasn't punishing him. Maybe God was preparing him because God loved him. God was always with him. And God had greater plans for him. Which leads to point number three, prison, the prison barrier. Some of you are like, man, does this story get any better? Well, it does, but not before it gets worse. So Mrs. Potiphar, she comes after Joseph. Joseph wouldn't sleep with her, and so finally she comes up with this, this whole elaborate scheme. She comes to him, it's just him and her, and she grabs him by the robe, and she says, come to bed with me, and he takes off running. And the Bible says he takes off running without his robe and leaves the robe in her hand. And, and she realizes, like, I'm done dealing with this dude. And so she goes to her husband, and she says, hey, Potiphar, look, look what happened to me. Look at this. I was here, and he came in, and he, he tried to rape me, and I grabbed his robe, and he took off running. And so Potiphar, and, and look, I don't think, that Potiphar believed his wife. Like, I have a hard time like, thinking at this point that, that Potiphar believed his wife because I think if he believed his wife, he would have had Joseph killed on the spot. But, but I think that in, in, in this weird roundabout way, Potiphar, he liked Joseph, he respected Joseph, he knew what Joseph was capable of doing, and he wanted to protect Joseph from his wife. And so he has Joseph thrown into prison. See, Sometimes God puts us in a place we call prison not to punish us, but to protect us from things. Just a thought. Because right here, God was protecting him from the temptation that maybe could have taken him out eventually, and he couldn't fulfill the dream that God had put inside of him. And, and the Bible says this in Genesis 39, verse 20, Joseph's master took him and put him in prison, the place where the king's prisoners were confined. Now, now how crazy is that? Joseph did what was right and got put in prison. How crazy is that? He did the right thing. See, we think if we do the right thing, we'll always get rewarded. Joseph's thinking, man, I'm in prison? What the heck? God, send down an angel to give me a fist bump or something, God. God, I did the right thing. I ran. I chose you. But the Bible says, look, look at this again. Joseph's master took him and put him in prison, the place where the king's prisoners were confined. King's prisoners. The king's prisoners. Joseph, don't miss this. Joseph got thrown into a political prison, got thrown into political prison. He was going to be a political leader, right? Most scholars believe that he spent around seven years, up to seven years um, in this prison. So for seven years, God had him in a place where he learned about politics, where he learned how to talk to the Pharaoh, 
where he learned about political structures and he learned about economic situations and he learned all kinds of stuff because, again, maybe God wasn't punishing him. Maybe God was preparing him because God loved him, because God was always with him, and because God had greater plans for him. The Bible goes on to say, but while Joseph was in the prison, the Lord was with him. Because God is, again, because God loves you. God is always with you. God has greater plans for you. Was there in the prison, um, the Lord was with him. He showed him kindness and granted him favor in the eyes of the prison warden, which is not something most of us want, favor in the eyes of the prison warden. All right, But that's what he got. Verse 22, so the warden put Joseph in charge of all those held in the prison, and he was made responsible for all that was done there. The warden paid no attention to anything under Joseph's care because the Lord was with Joseph. There it is again. God loved him. God was always with him, and God had greater plans for him because the Lord was with Joseph and gave him success in whatever he did. So, so Joseph, Joseph is in this prison. He's kind of learning the whole political thing, and he's kind of working the deal. And, and then in Genesis chapter 40, the Bible says that one day, two more guys get thrown into the prison. The cupbearer, which wasn't the best job in the world, because like basically to be a cupbearer, you, you drank Pharaoh's wine before he drank it. And if it didn't kill you, he, he would drink it. So I'm not sure that's the best job. So you got the cupbearer, and then the baker, and both of them are thrown into prison. Now, these two dudes had bad dreams one night, and, and, and while Joseph was, was walking around, and he's checking on his guys, because he's embracing the situation that God put him in, right? He's like, hey, this isn't where I want to be, but this is where I am, and so I'm going to make the very, very, very best of what I've got, and so he walks up to these two guys. They're kind of looking down, and he says, guys, what's wrong? And they said, oh, we, we had horrible, bad dreams last night, and Joseph went, dreams, you say? I have some experience with dreams. Why don't we talk about your dreams? And so the cupbearer tells him the dream he had. And Joseph says, oh, man, good news. You're going to get your job back. See, in three days, Pharaoh's going to come back down here, and he's going to say, hey, man, you know, I kind of went a little crazy. I made a mistake. made some rash decisions right there. And and, and he's going to come down, and you're going to get restored to your position. And you're going to give each other high fives and everything. And and Joseph says, hey, when, when you get there, will you tell the Pharaoh about me? Would you kind of like let him know about me because I'm here. I didn't kind of do anything. And my brothers, and he kind of goes through the whole story of what's going on. And would you tell him because I want to get out of prison. And the guy was like, I got you, Joe. I got you, man. We're boys. Like, I'm going to follow you on Facebook. Here's my Twitter. They exchange information. He's like, Joe, I got you. I will tell the Pharaoh about you. It's going to be awesome. And, and so, so the cupbearer had told him all this stuff. Then the baker gets really excited. He says, hey, Joseph, let me tell you about my dream. And he told Joseph about his dream. And Joseph says, hey, man, the good news is you're going to get out of here in three days too. The bad news is they're going to kill you, which always makes me think, what did the baker do to get killed? Like, how much did he overcook the steak that night? Like, like really, right? And so, sure enough, in three days, it happens. They come, and they get the cupbearer, and he got his job back, and they get the, the, the baker, and they killed him. And in my opinion, Genesis 40, 23 is one of the saddest verses in the entire Bible. The Bible says this, after, after all this stuff, after Joseph had interpreted that dream, told him all this stuff, told him about himself, and said, hey, man, remember me? And this is what happens. The chief cupbearer, however, did not remember Joseph. He forgot him. How bad does that stink? How bad does that stink? 
Like you interpret this dream, you see it happen. Like it, it's happening in front of you. And the first day comes to an end and, and, and Joseph's like, oh man, he's going to come back. He's going to come back. The second day he doesn't come back and he's telling everybody, listen man, I told him, remember me. He's going to come back. He's going to come back. He's going to come back. Day three, he doesn't come back for two years. Like 700 days, Joseph is forgotten. And that's what we feel like when we're in prison. We feel forgotten by God. There are people watching today that you feel forgotten by God. God's forgotten about me. God doesn't care about me. He doesn't care about what I'm going through. He doesn't care where I'm at in life. I'm forgotten by God. Don't tell me God loves me. Don't tell me God cares about me. Don't tell me God's always with me. Don't tell me God has a plan for me. God's forgotten me. And if that's you, I would simply ask you, if you feel like God's forgotten you and he doesn't care about you, then why does he have you watching a church service today? Maybe God's not punishing you. Maybe he's preparing you. It's not an accident that you're watching right now. Even though you feel like God has forgotten about you, he loves you, he's always with you, and he has greater plans for you. See, two years later, the Bible says that Pharaoh had a dream. He woke up in the middle of the night and he gets freaked out by the whole thing. He goes back to sleep and he has another really bad dream. He gets up the next morning and he calls in all the magicians, calls in all of his boys, calls in all these chanters, and he tells them the dream. And they're all like, oh man, I don't know. Like, dude, like Pharaoh, man, that is, that is bad. Like, like, we don't know. Hey man, do you know what that means? No, I don't know what that means. You know what that, no, I don't, like Pharaoh, we don't know. And all of a sudden, the cupbearer goes, whoo, Joe. Dang, Pharaoh, 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 Pharaoh. Hey, dang, dang. Remember, remember that time? Remember two years ago we had that little problem, man, me and you, and you got mad at me, and you kind of threw me in prison. You threw that other guy in prison, man, and we were down there in jail. Well, well, while we were in there, man, while we were down there, we had some dreams, and there was this guy down there named Joe, and he told us what they meant, and it came true. So I think Joe can help you with your dream. And Pharaoh said, go get him. Go get him. And they go, they get him, and they bring him in front of Pharaoh, and Pharaoh tells him his dream. And Joseph says, oh, yeah, that's easy. See, Pharaoh, we're going to have seven years of economic growth. We're going to have seven years of enormous crop production. It's going to be the most incredible seven years ever. It's going to be amazing. After that, we're going to have seven years of famine. I mean, the stock market is going to crash. The economy is going to crash. It is going to be absolutely horrible. What God has done, Pharaoh, through this dream is he showed you how to lead the nation for the next 14 years. And when he said that, Everybody was in awe. Everybody was speechless. And Joseph was like, here's my big break. Here's my chance. This is what God has been setting me up for. See, many times we think God just, that God just gives us a breakthrough. But a breakthrough is actually something that God has prepared us for for years and years and years and years. Joseph seized the opportunity, and he said, hey, Pharaoh, see how nobody is saying anything? Here's what you need to do, Pharaoh. You need to put somebody in charge that understands grain, somebody who, who understands the harvest, somebody who can collect this, so that in seven years, nobody starves to death, and everything's going to be good, and everybody's going to look at you as the rescuer. And the Bible says that Pharaoh, this is some of the most fascinating scripture. The Bible says in Genesis 41, 39, after, after Joseph had shared this idea because nobody else was saying anything. Pharaoh said to Joseph, since God has made all this known to you, there is no one discerning and as wise as you. You shall be in charge of my palace and all of my people are to submit to your orders. I want to stop right here and say this. He was in charge of Potiphar's house and he did a great job. He was in charge of the prison 
and he did a great job. Now he's in charge of the palace. God, don't, don't miss this. God will never give us more until, until we are responsible for what we have right now. You want God to give you more? Be responsible with what God has given you right now because God will never give us more until we are responsible with what we have right now. The Bible goes on to say, you will be in charge of my palace and all my people are to submit to your orders only with respect to the throne. Will I be greater than you? So Pharaoh said to Joseph, I hereby put you in charge of the whole land of Egypt. Then Pharaoh took his signet ring from his finger and put it on Joseph's finger. That was a sign of authority. Put it on Joseph's finger. He dressed him in robes, robes, robes. Go all the way back to the beginning of this story. What did Joseph have that was the pride of his life that he wore everywhere? Something his father gave, gave him, so, something he showed off to all of his brothers. He wore it all the time, and he lost it. What was it? It was a, it was a robe, right? It was a robe and he lost it in the pit. It was a robe that Mrs. Potiphar took for him. But at the end of the story, he doesn't just get back a robe, he gets robes, robes. When you get lost in the pit, God will restore. What you lost in the pit, God will restore in his presence. And he always gives us more than what we lost before we went into the pit because he loves you. He's always with you, and he has greater plans for you. Joseph didn't just get a robe. He got robes. That's the God we serve. That's awesome. He dressed him. He dressed him in robes of fine linen and put a gold chain around his neck. Verse 43 he had him ride in a chariot as his second in command, and people shouted before him, Make way! Thus he put him in charge of the whole land of Egypt. And by the way, that's where his mom, his dad, and his brothers were at. And he's now in charge of him. Did the dream come true? Yeah. Did it happen the way that, that Joseph had planned or thought? No. But all his life, God prepared him for doing things that were beyond beyond his mind, because God loved him, was always with him, and had greater plans for him. Here's what I want you to know today. God loves you. It doesn't matter what you've gone through. It doesn't matter what you're going through. It doesn't matter what you've done. God loves you, and he loves you so much that he sent his son, Jesus Christ, to die for you. God loves you. God is not tolerating you. God is not just putting up with you. God loves you, and he is always with you, always. God is always with you, always. As I look back over my life, he's always been with me. I I have never walked alone, and neither have you. And and, and as as I look back, I see all the times and all the things that I've done and all the times I thought that he had forgotten about me, but he was holding my hand the entire time. He has always been faithful to me. He was faithful to Joseph. And as you look back over your life and you're honest with yourself, you're going to have to say, he's been faithful to you. Because he's always been with you. He loves you. And he has greater plans for you. What we're going to do right now is, is we're going to sing and then we're going to pray. Um, we've got a video to show you that the staff has, has worked amazingly hard on. And um, it's, it's incredible. It's, it's God of this city. And what I want you to do during this time is I want you to, to focus, focus on, on the greater There's a line in there that says, greater things are yet to come. Church, in Jesus, the best is always yet to come. Things are difficult. Things are hard. We can't meet right now. Hopefully, we'll be together um, in in the coming weeks, and we'll be able to do more things, and we'll be able to connect. But, But listen to me. Greater things. 
because God loves us, because God is always with us. He has greater things for us. Not just for us as individuals, but for our church, for our community, for our nation, for our world. And so I'd like for you, if you know the song, you can sing along with it. You can, you, you can listen. But, but, I, but I want you to pray. And I want you to pray. I want, I want you to pray for, for what you're going through. And I want you to pray that, that God would reveal in the pit to you who, who he is. I, I want you to pray that, that, that God would reveal to all of us who he is. Um, I want you to pray for your family. I want you to pray for your church. I want you to pray for your communities. Because God really does have greater things for all of us. I love you, church. Thank you for connecting with us. Let's sing and let's pray together.